Welcome to the Southwest Iowa Association of Realtors, also known as SWIRE. This podcast keeps SWIRE members up to date on what's new and happening in our organization. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. It is not our intention to solicit the offerings of other real estate brokers. Not a member? We still encourage you to listen. Each week, we provide you with valuable information related to the real estate industry and Southwest Iowa. Welcome to this episode of the Swire Podcast. I'm Tom Studer, and we have a full studio today. We are joined by Swire President Amy Hagstrom. Also joining us today, a couple of members of Swire, and also on the DE&I Committee for Fair Housing with Swire, Alicia Fries and Nikki Woods. Amy, let's start with you. What's the latest going on with Swire? Do we have any announcements we need to make? So we only have a couple this week. Um, we had our Bar Bets event on Friday. How did that go? It was amazing. It was a huge success. We had over 60 agents there, and we got some rave reviews. Everyone's asking to bring her back already. Well, I had an opportunity to interview Barb on this podcast, and she was still out in California when we talked. I'm not a real estate agent, and I wanted to go. (laughs) She was just so compelling and and just a, a wonderful speaker. She was fantastic, and she got a little taste of snow while she was here, so that was a little shocking to her, too. A little taste. A little taste. (laughs) (laughs) So that was fantastic. Amy sent out an email yesterday to the membership for a survey to see what everyone thought. Any kind of feedback we can take would be much appreciated. And then we have dues due. The last call is March March 1st, I'm sorry, and if you do not pay those dues by then, you going to get hit with a $55 late fee. So pay your dues. You have an email with an easy link. It's easy to do. Yep. Always better to not pay the late fee. Correct. All right. We need to learn more about DE&I for fair housing with Swire, and that's why both Alicia Fries and Nikki Woods are in studio today. Alicia, you have quite a bit of experience with inside of this world with uh, your other position with the Council Bluffs Area Chamber of Commerce, because we, you and I have talked about this type of thing before. We absolutely have, and we kind of love to really work in this realm, both when it comes to workforce, when it comes to employment, and especially when it comes to fair housing. So I'm really excited to be in studio today. And also today, uh, Nikki Woods, uh, she is the chairperson for DE&I with Fair Housing with Swire. Nikki, thank you so much for uh, coming on in and uh, being brave and being a part of this. It's wonderful, and and I think you're going to find out that uh, all of this is a, a fairly simple process to be able to do. But let's begin with just exactly what this is. DE&I, what does it stand for, and why is it important that Swire be involved with this? Well, it stands for diversity equity and inclusion. And the fair housing portion of it, of course, is fair housing. Um, Everyone should have the right to have a house and you don't want to discriminate against it. It kind of started in our state about three years ago with some things that happened in the summer of 2020. And our state IAR committee kind of got together and talked about it. They had several meetings and kind of put together a game plan of how they could go about and make this a part of our state. Not many states had this. In fact, Iowa is one of the first states that kind of put this together. And other states are now looking at Iowa as how they are, they're going to use it as their format. So our group of leadership, which Iowa has a really strong leadership team on the state level, um, they have taken it and have put together trainings on redlining, 
LBGTQ plus, first time home buyers. The one thing that they did was like a, a first time broker outreach tour where they went to every single one of the 18 boards across the state and listened to brokers and realtors across the state of, of what their needs were. And so they kind of took that and, you know, took information from that. So now these these different boards either have a DEI task force or they are building one. And so we are building one. And so we have just started this. We had our first meeting in January, and today is our second meeting this afternoon. So we are building. What are some of the things that I'm assuming that you're probably learning at yes. the same time through yes. this entire process? So yes. what are some of the things you've learned so far? So I have been on the state committee for a year, and it is a learning process. You know, DE&I is a lot more than the color of your skin. It's a lot more than black-brown. It is elderly. It is more than LBGTQ. It's single mom and dad. It is disabled. It is veteran. It is elderly. You know, you think one of the things that drew me to it was you have an elderly person who can't make ends meet, who is transitioning from maybe a single family home who needs to go to a assisted living. It's it's a lot more. Or you have a first time home buyer who who is having trouble or struggling to get into that first home. It it's a lot more than just the color of your skin. So we we have to envelop all of that. And it's a learning process. All of us are learning. Everyone is at a different level of DE&I. And so we have to take that knowledge that every single person has and we have to take that and we have to learn and build from it. So that's what I'm learning at our state level and bringing it back here. And so people like Alicia on our board and people like we have someone on our on our local committee who is who is a landlord, has several rental properties. That information from her firsthand knowledge is so invaluable. You know, we we can take all of this and just grow. We also have a lender on there. We would love to have an appraiser and we would love to have a home inspector on our board so we can have affiliates on there. So, you know, taking that knowledge and growing and build it, there, there's just nothing. Diversity is so much more. I think we need to really, I think we need to really understand that. And it's not, it's not skin color all the time. And I love that you brought up the other parties that we want at the table because part of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is making sure that all voices are heard and represented. And so it's really important for us that we ensure that we have everybody at the table that are going to fairly represent the people of our community, those that are currently here, and those that may be transitioning or relocating to our community. I'm thinking back, Alicia, when you and I had spoken before about a different project on the same topic with with the Chamber of Commerce. And you had mentioned that you'd taken a call from somebody that was just kind of confused about what everything it was. And you were able to walk them through it and say, look, it's 
there, there can be a little bit of a misnomer involved with this because we want to pigeonhole this topic into one particular area, but it's not that. It's much wider. It is much wider, and I've had many conversations, and I'm very blessed to have these conversations because the more conversations that we have, the more knowledge that we can give out to individuals. And I think that really is the scariest part and the pushback that we receive is that as human beings, it's our natural instinct to be fearful or resistant of something that we don't know and we don't understand. And so, Todd, as you know, that's why we came in here with you and we created our series of DE9 mini videos, um, which creates a safe place for individuals to sit in their own home or in their office or in their car and listen to diversity, equity, inclusion and what it really is and what it encompasses. And if you really think about it, it is looking at everybody like an iceberg as one of the topics that I like to explain it as. We look at people and we categorize them. We want to create a full story. It's just what we do as people. So we look at them, we see their skin color, we see the way that they're dressed, we see what they drive. Those are all the things that we see on the surface. And so we start to create and paint a picture of them ourselves. But really what we're missing is everything that's underneath the water. And so when we're looking at that from the real estate lens, we really want to make sure that everybody has got fair opportunity, that we're not pigeonholing anybody or redlining anybody or deciding what neighborhood they should live in or what cost of house they should have. Those are just some of the small topics that we're going to be hitting on first, but it definitely goes much larger than that. Right. And so that is something like when we get to our meetings, that's one of the first things that I say, because we are all on different levels and we all see people, even at our committee, we all look at each other differently. The first things that I say are, and we do this at the state level, it's a safe environment. This is, this is our Vegas. What we say here stays here. And, you know, no one is meant to hurt or, or insult or anything to each other. If, if something that is said that is hurtful or you feel that is not correct, we're going to talk about it and we're going to get it figured out and we're going to apologize and we're going to move on because, like I said, everyone's at a different level. We're all learning this at a different level and at a different pace. So we talk about it and we move on. And, you know, one thing that we decided, we when we had our first meeting, our agenda was I kind of wanted to get an idea of where everyone was at with this. What does DE&I mean to you? So because, again, we all, we all have different interpretations of it. And so we talked about different things we could do as a group. Do we get out into the public? Do we have booths? Do we have this? Do we have that? And all of a sudden, one of our groups said, and then what? So we have a booth, and then what? And, you know, it was, it was an enlightening experience. And it was true. There was no endgame. What, we, we, had no, we had no endgame. So we decided that our best mode was education. And, and Alicia had some great ideas based on her work at the chamber of things that she could take and, and we could educate. And it's not education in the typical, um, let's open a book, let's watch the video, let's do this. It was education of resources that we could bring to agents. And so, you know, she can talk about some of those types of things as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we discussed is really trying to create um, some general hubs for individuals. Because uh, when we were going through that and talking through that process of do we do events, do we create our own events, do we go and set up booths, we started to realize we weren't really sure who we wanted to target. Are we specifically tar targeting agents? Are we targeting lenders? Or are we targeting the community so that they understand what they deserve and what their right is when it comes to housing? And so what we decided to kind of tackle first is maybe creating a hub for all of our agents, brokers, and lenders of DE&I resources. 
explanations of that, of educational topics of those items. And so uh, at the chamber, we have recently added a DE&I link to our website uh, with some great resources available. And we're going to add it as well to the Swire website. So we're really excited about having those opportunities available for the public, for our agents and for our employers, and then also for our community members. Um, and then when it comes to kind of some of those educational pieces, we understand that everybody's busy and, you know, we only have a short amount of time. So we want to create maybe some some quick just videos that people can listen to in their car or they can watch on their breaks that will go live on our social media platform. So those are some of the things that we've got in the works right now that will be coming out. Right, right. Um, we're also going to have on our Swire website, we're going to have a DEI tab that will be a drop down. And so those links will also be there. Uh, we'll also have links to educational opportunities through IAR or NAR that they can, just a quick link. You know, there's also some some other, like a complaint. You know, if, if there's a complaint, maybe somebody feels like they were wronged or that, you know, that type of thing. Or maybe they, they want to, an agent wants to just say something confidentially. They can do it through that link as well. To They can be completely anonymous with it. Um, we want to provide those types of resources because one of the questions that I had, I would go to these state meetings, and the the one thing I didn't know, I'm a fairly new agent, the one thing that I just really wasn't aware of was, does this type of thing happen? And the answer is yes. You know, it does still happen, the redlining, the steering. It does happen, and it's very prevalent. And, you know, I knew in these other larger cities, just based on the other agents that I was around, that it did. I just didn't know that it could still happen here. And it does, you know. And I think that what happens here, and I think the complaint area is such a great aspect for us is because sometimes we do things or things happen that we don't realize just because we have been shaped and conditioned by our culture and society and our upbringing. And especially here in Iowa, right? Um, in Iowa, it's very much thought that there's not a DEI issue. Um, and again, that's because everybody wants to box DEI into a gender, sexual orientation or race aspect, and it is everything. Um, so I know that when I talk to some folks in the county, they get nervous about me talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. But I'm like, but we have farmers that need assistance in our rural communities. We've got transportation barriers in our rural communities. We've got aging um, residents in our rural communities, kind of as Nikki said earlier, what happens when they need to transition um, into some senior care living. And so it is much more than that. And I think having these complaints will create great examples of like, here's a complaint of something that was brought up against a person that was against, you know, a racial thing or an age, it was a discriminatory of some sort. And that way there we can really show agents like this is some things to avoid. And that way there they, they kind of have a resource of like, is this wrong or is this right? Yeah. And I, and I also think, you know, the other thing that, and we talked about it at our meeting too, is sometimes I think as realtors, we lose the focus of what our role is. You know, our role is, is to help people transition into something. What, whatever stage of life they're in, whatever they're doing. And yeah, we need the paycheck. That's important. We have to all, all have bills to pay. But we, we've all taken this role to help someone else better what they're doing. So we, we have to be mindful of that. We, we have to be able to say we can't turn down a client because you know, like Alicia said, the reference of the surface of the iceberg doesn't fit the need of the clientele that you want. 
you know, sometimes you have to look a little deeper and take on that client for the betterment of the client type thing. You know, we, we, we kind of lose our focus sometimes. I think what is impressing me the most about everything that you're talking about here is you're creating a place that people can ask the questions because we get into a mindset that it's not okay to ask. And it is because that's how education happens. And, and if, if I have a question or if, if a member of Swire has a question and they can't get it answered, then they just kind of stay in that place. But having an opportunity where it's okay to ask, it's okay to talk about it, it's okay to have the discussion. And even if some toes get stepped on, we can work through that and come out the backside of it better. That I think is really key to everything that you're doing. Yeah. And that is one of the things that we talk about with diversity, equity, and inclusion is that people are afraid to misstep. They're afraid to ask, but that's part of the conversation. DEI is a huge realm, and um, there are going to be missteps, but that is how we grow and that's how we learn. Uh, storytelling is how we make connections. It's how we help other people develop. So it is a really important thing for us to be able to provide that place. And if somebody does misstep in our lead diversity class, we like to say we're going to call it out or call it in. So if it's something that is okay to call out in front of everybody immediately, then we can call that out and kind of walk through that and help them um, maybe open their perspective or their vision of what they were saying or how they were feeling. Uh, we all have unconscious biases, and that's okay. The important thing is to be comfortable identifying them and then working to work through those things so that those aren't something that you're biased again any longer. Um, and if it's something that was personal or maybe larger than what needs to be discussed during a, a group session, then that's when you call something in and you pull them to the side and you have that one-on-one -on -one conversation and make sure that you do that compassionately uh, with an understanding and unpresumptuous attitude towards it. Don't assume you know why they said or felt the way that they did. Ask those questions. Why do you feel this way? Do you have experiences in these? Um, that way there they really start to think about it themselves and that's part of helping us overcome those biases. Right, right. You know, there was a something that I did when I was, you know, working with youth in our church and I would walk in and I'd say, tell me something that you think you know about me, just based on what I look like. And the answers, <laughs> you know, were, were ridiculous. You, you can't base what you know about someone by how they look or what you think that they know or something that they said, because your personal feelings have taken what, what they've said could be completely out of context. And so having that personal conversation is important if it's offensive to you or hurtful to you. And and you've got to open those doors because you, you're not going to get things solved if you don't open those doors. And we're not trying to, we're not trying to shame an agent. We're not trying to shame a public person or, you know, a, a, a client, but we do have to open those doors and we do have to realize we have ethics that we're bound by. And, and you know, we have to keep you know, our, our concept in sight for what, for what our role is. I think that we talk a lot about um, not redlining our clients or our residents, but one of the other things we have to think about as agents is that we may work with somebody that has some very strong opinions of things. And what do we do then, right? Because we do have our ethics and we want to make sure that everybody's getting treated fairly and you don't want to um, get into a debate with your client, of course, but you also have to make sure that you're, you're working ethically and honorably. So what do we do at that point? So those are some other areas I think that when we have the complaints or the comment section or just that open conversation that will really 
help is like, what if you get a client that says, well, I don't want to live here or there, or I won't sell my house. That's something sometimes um, I've had a client recently say, I'll sell it to anybody but the person next door. (laughs) Well, (laughs) so those are conversations that need to be had as well. Sometimes you're working with a client that has got some of those discriminatory things. Right, right. So moving forward, for example, we have a meeting this afternoon. And so moving forward, you know, some things that we are going to be discussing and deciding are, you know, setting up our social media things. And, you know, April is Fair Housing Month. And so we're going to be working with getting that some things lined up for that. Again, we're not really sure what that's going to look like, because this is our first one. So we don't really have any idea. But you know, IAR has sent out some things to us. Um, so just literally after I sent the agenda out, IAR sent some things out to me. So I have, you know, some things that we can piggyback off of or, you know, create our own. Because again, this is new. We can create kind of whatever we want to from from what we have. So, you know, we'll we'll build something for that. And I don't know if we'll go to all the brokerages or we'll put something together in the community or what we'll end up doing. But, you know, we, we have great resources here. We have, you know, really supportive city offices and, you know, the chamber. We, we, we just have really great resources here. And the thing that we also can't forget is we do have to go to the outlying communities and reach out to them. So, you know, that's something, too, that we need to figure out how to incorporate into this. And, you know, we, we also need to, to work with our education committee and, you know, I know our, our leadership, our local leadership has worked hard in reorganizing the structure of our other committees. And so we need to figure out ways to work with them to bring this group with them to, to make things happen, you know, and use those resources. So, you know, we have a lot of work to do <laughs> this year with this committee. So we just have to figure out how to make everything work together and get it flowing and get it going. Because the, the goal that I foresaw with this is we need to have a good foundation. This, this is an important, important group. This is an important um, the DEI is important, and we need to make it a strong foundation so it stays around. That's the goal. And I really hope that with our social media platforms that we have coming out, that the community itself, our agents and our residents, will kind of steer us in the direction of where we need to go. They say, if you don't know where to start, just start, <laughs> and you'll figure it out from there. So I feel like we have a great base to start with. We kind of know where we're going to start. And because it's going to be on public platforms, really hoping that the, the public will kind of steer us into what the needs are of our community. Yeah, I agree. Well, is there anything else that we want to make sure that we get out on this topic before we wrap things up for today? I think for now, that's it. Well, I thank you very much for all of the wonderful information. And I know that the Swire members are uh, thankful as well because it's it's an important topic and can be a difficult topic. But it looks to me like uh, the right folks are in the right leadership positions and you are attacking this just the way that it needs to be done. So Alicia Fries, she is Workforce Development Director with the Council Bluffs Area Chamber of Commerce, uh, agent with Berkshire Hathaway and a member of this DE&I uh, committee. Nikki Woods is the chairperson, uh, DE&I for Fair Housing with Swire. And also she is an agent with a uh, Minky Auction and Realty and Trainer. And Amy Hagstrom, your Swire president. Thank you so much. We don't want to forget you, Amy, for coming in. <laughs> Thanks, we Doug. just kind of left you sitting off to the side for most of this, but uh, we thank you for your time as well, coming in and being part of the Swire podcast. Most importantly, we thank you for listening to this episode. New episodes are released each week. So until next time, take care.